internet and welcome to another episode of our second season of Hey CTO. Uh, today, me and Sara, we are talking with Hélène uh, Guillaume. Is that Guillaume? Yes. Perfect. Hélène yes. <laughs> <Ilan> Guillaume. <laughs> you know, I really, I take a lot of proud, pride in, in pronouncing the names correctly of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I nailed it. Nice. So Hélène Guillaume and, um, and we are here to, to meet Hélène uh, uh, and a fascinating trajectory like everyone going to to see that in a couple of minutes. Ilan, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, Sarah and Pedro. So excited to be here. And uh, yeah, very excited to be in Portugal, too. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So, Ilan, um, tell us, you know, um, a little bit about yourself. So, you know, me and Sarah, we, we, we know, you know, we know you, we, we know what you've been doing lately, you know, but for someone that is just watching the episode and is super curious about Ilan Guillaume, uh, can, you, can you tell us uh, who you are? Yeah, so I'm Hélène, I'm the founder of a company called Wild AI, and um, before the company, like my background, I'm a data scientist by training, I started my career uh, coding, I was a developer, like a quant in a hedge fund, and a management consultant in artificial intelligence, and in parallel of that, I've always done a lot of sports, a different type, uh, endurance sports, swimming, uh, triathlon, ultra marathons, rugby and uh, now my new passion is surfing which is part of the reason i moved to <laughs> not only portugal but also smart <laughs> yeah uh, so i'm literally five minutes from the beach uh, i think it's a very difficult sport so being able to do it like to become better than what i am i think it takes a lot of time and energy and uh, so yeah so moved here to to focus on that uh, but basically, like these two backgrounds, like uh, coming from data and sports made me like try to really understand my own body. And uh, as I was doing sports, I started realizing that sometimes like if I was cycling, for instance, one day I would perform really well, like like the other guys like climbing a hill. And then another day I would be like flat out, but with no precise correlation. And I couldn't really understand it. So I started to be really interested in like, what does this data that we track in sports like for wearable, like Garmin and etc., was telling me, but I, I couldn't really understand. So I got really interested in that, and then realized that in human metrics we don't know, we don't understand much, uh, whereas we do have data, and it's even worse when it comes to women uh, because today still 80% of the medical research is done on males, and when it comes to sports, 4% of budgets only wow. go to women, and yeah, and Crazy. so basically. It means like we basically understand nothing about this female body that, especially in sports, we think men are like the holy grail. Like they're strong and, and, and fast, etc. And women are just like fragile little beings, boring, not <laughs> worth going on medias. And, uh, and yeah, so I was thinking like, is that true or is it just that we just don't understand the body? The good news is that <laughs> we just didn't understand the body. So what we do at World AI is basically research on the female body and we translate that research into our app to help women eat exercise and recover with their physiology so with their menstrual cycle or their symptoms if they're menopause etc and that's us wow. that's so interesting and 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 i will we will need to ask this and it's also for me because i'm a woman i also love sports so we will need, we will have a lot to talk <laughs> and i noticed that on your linkedin you mentioned unleash the beast in women. I'm really curious about how do we do that? <laughs> yeah, so I think that 
I mean, growing up, I was what is called a tomboy, which in French is a failed boy, un garçon manqué. Um, it's really harsh, um, but really I was just a kid who liked, you know, climbing trees and running and whatever. Uh, but these characteristics are often associated to male behaviors and not female mm -hmm. behaviors. So when you have a little girl who behaves like that, they basically associate that to be, being like masculine. And so what, what happens as we grow up is that we actually very regularly are boxed into a behavior um, when it comes to like our behavior or likings. So, you know, like a little girl who enjoys playing with, I don't know, like uh, astronomy tools or like building tools, etc. Again, she would be denominated as a male behavior because she's really meant to play with ponies and pink toys. And so, and it grew, it grew out like throughout our life. Like I studied mathematics, we're 6% of girls. And, um, and, and it was very rare. And like, and, we, and like, I mean, we were really discriminated. And like I thought at the time it was quite cool to be in minority, but I realized I was also discriminating my own gender. And as we grow and like further along, you know, in more like technical and STEM studies and STEM, um, like science, technical, what is it, engineering and maths, um, when you go towards these worlds, like women are less and less. Yeah. And the reason is, is like, there are many reasons, but one of the reasons is because we are like, basically we we're meant to have one behavior, which is like, we meant to like luxury and fashion and pink things. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like being technical, etc., it's not really the case. And, and when it comes to behavior is the same. So like a woman who would be like, you know, really outgoing and enjoying her body and really sporty is quite masculine actually. Or it's not. It's like literally yeah. a woman is a human being who enjoys playing with her body, enjoys being in a wave, surfing, whatever, you know. And and the thing is, like, because we don't understand the underlying, like, what is a woman, what we're capable of, etc., and what the female body needs, we often, like, are boxed and so, like, kind of leashed. And so, and I felt that for myself because, I like, I never really wanted to accept it, but... You know, sometimes I didn't feel great, but I thought maybe it's just my body's a bit shitty. And so I was trying to battle through. But the reality is that the female body is incredible. Like every single month for 40 years, you can create a baby from scratch. Like it's insane. But it's not the only purpose we are on the planet for. So if you understand like what you can do with that body, it's basically if you understand well the rules, like how does this body work, you can really like go like really in the extreme, like and you can go wide or unleash your body. So unleash this incredible like wilderness that we have in us. And so yeah, so that's why. No, that's that's incredible, yeah. you know, because I think that you know the next step for Wild AI would actually be to unleash the society, right? Because from yeah. what I've heard, I think that we are definitely kind of you know putting people in boxes and just like you said and so well, you know, so pink is for the girls, blue is for the boys, and you know, and fixing a car is for men and mm -hmm. I think that we we get so so constrained in so many um, biases and 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 concepts that it's so interesting because I think that you know at the end of the day as humanity we are missing out so much right like so people that could be so relevant you know probably men in fashion you know like women in mechanics in in, in things that naturally they don't fit because of the sort of biases that we were all yeah. raised with right that if you could actually just drop all of that, we could definitely see a society where everyone could contribute where they are actually good at and yeah. what they have been told to do. Is Completely. And you see also, you see like these, like these big kind of societal fashions, like 
a woman in medicine, like it didn't exist a hundred, like hundred years ago. It was forbidden. Crazy. But Crazy. then now most doctors are women. So like, it's not because women are not good doctors, literally because it's like fashion, like women were not in these industries. And you know, now in like in, the, in technology, we see a lot, like there's way less developers who are women. It's not because women don't like or don't are not good developers. It's because like when you have a, a room with like like you know guys and like it's very it's quite like male heavy and like quite testosterone driven. But it's not it doesn't and doesn't like I've been there like firsthand. It doesn't encourage girls and like we are discriminated when we're there. Like they look at you and you don't feel welcome. I thought it was quite kind of funny, but when I look at it from another angle, it's actually not. It's like um, yeah. so yeah. Insane. And tell us one thing. So you're right now living in Portugal, uh, you know, so we know that you moved last year. You're actually quite close from both of us. So you're in the south margin of Tagus. Um, so what was kind of, you know, the main drivers behind deciding to, to live in Portugal? Was it just surf? Was it something else? So tell us a little bit about yeah. that story. Um, I have two love stories with Portugal. Like the first one is actually my grandfather, very typical for Europeans. My grandfather was golfing and has discovered the hidden gem of Portugal like 25 years ago with my grandmother wow. and they just like loved it. And so they were going to obviously to Algarve to South. And uh, so I've been going to their house like regularly. I'm not a golfer myself at all, but I was going to their place. And so I've known Portugal for a little bit uh, from them. But then more recently, I have a good friend of mine who I knew from London. So the, before Portugal, I was living 10 years in London okay. and San Francisco between these two countries. And I have a good friend uh, in London called Teresia, who's Portuguese. And she had invited me to her birthday in Comporta. And I think that was uh. like maybe eight years ago. And it was only Portuguese people mostly and like a few <laughs> Europeans. And the people were so nice. Like, you know, if you go to like France or Spain and you say like, oh, your country is really nice. They're like, yeah, sure. Like we know. But here in Portugal, the people were like, they were so nice. They were, you know, very inclusive. They were speaking extremely mm. well English. In France, like if I bring a foreigner, people, they won't speak English to them. It's really mm. rude. And like there, they just were super inclusive. They were super nice. They were super happy that we were in Portugal. And I think maybe, but you'll you tell me more, because like tourism in Portugal, like, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people coming is mm -hmm. more recent. So like, and also in, as an immigration country is more recent. So, like, you know, spotlight on France has been forever. So French people are like quite blasé of the fact that people, you know, if you go to the Paris, you're like, oh, the Tour Eiffel is amazing. They're like, yeah, of course it is. Whereas here, <laughs> I know, people are so nice and welcoming. It just like really warmed my heart. So I just had this incredible, nice experience with Portuguese people. And uh, so that was like quite a while ago. But then more recently, um, like the tech scene has been developing like quite strongly in Portugal and more and more and more. And I had like just, I would like to say I'm a trendsetter, but I'm not, I'm just a follower. Like I just had like a lot of people that I knew that I really respect who moved here. There's a few like, you know, really good established companies in Portugal as well, very good developers. People speak very well English, which is not the most important thing because I think I need to like speak Portuguese, but it just is means that it's a place if I want to hire or like you know develop more my company, it is totally possible. Also, the country makes it very attractive for entrepreneurs, uh, as opposed to France, for instance. Like taxes in France are crazy, etc. So, it makes it just the environment in technology makes it really attractive. And for me, community is very important because I need to like you know have a, a coffee with you and you like talk about a new technology that I've never heard of or you tell me about. 
a you know like SEO or whatever that is like a cool way that I could integrate in my own company. So I find that's an interesting Saturday afternoon conversation, <laughs> and, uh, and so I need that community. So that like that was a very big driver, and then COVID hits, and I was in London, and like didn't want to be in San Francisco for sure, like too far. I want to be close to Europe and my family. And, uh, and I was considering, like, the important things for me are, like, I love doing sports, like, every day. Uh, the nature in Portugal is insane, like, incredibly pristine and very preserved. And um, so, like, access to nature and sports is very easy in Portugal. Um, access to the community is there and like, technology, etc. And, um, and so, yeah, the, the move was quite easy. And so wow. it and yeah. and people are in yeah the first thing like the people are amazing like so it's just like it feels very welcoming like I don't feel like a, a parasite. Wow, that's so good! Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess you make I, I guess you made the right choice. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> I couldn't speak as as well uh, from Por uh, you know, regarding Portugal like Helen. Jesus. Yeah, I, 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 I'm already. Oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you should because you honestly like it's. I mean, it's incredible. Yes. Like all of us who move here, like we feel so lucky. Like you, you've made an incredible country. So yeah, ah. thank you. <laughs> so good. And now, let's talk a bit more about your own tech startup. So how did that opportunity came up? So how that the idea? The idea you already explained us a bit how it started, but how everything? Where did you start building uh, that up? Yeah. So I started a company in a program actually in London called Entrepreneur First, which is a deep technology incubator. Um, and I think that it was quite helpful to be in an environment with other uh, aspiring to be entrepreneurs. And uh, so that was very helpful. So that's how that's where I started the company. And then, um, of, of course, like a lot of pivots and a lot of uh, iterations. And then after a while, I also started going uh, to San Francisco a lot. So I also did a program there. And uh, that was really helpful because I think when I was talking about community just before, in the US, you know, in, in Europe, in London, when you say I'm building a billion dollar company, people are like, sure. But in the US, like the people you talk to, they actually have done it. Many people. And so it's just like the scale and your own ambition, my own ambition became very different. So I really liked being there because I just felt like a, yeah, just like an influx of energy and just a, a different way of seeing things. And um, so I spent three years going, basically living half in San Francisco and half in London. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's really how the company started. And then like, we actually were for men and women at the very beginning of the company. And then we switched to women only realizing this massive, huge opportunity and blue ocean market that is completely untapped. And now we're like, although we're still very small, we're like the leading company in data uh, and technology uh, for women. So, um, yeah. It's kind of powerful. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that was one of the other questions that I had in mind, because I, I was thinking being a, a, an area set so specific only for, for women, right? So the business, did you have that into consideration when you were growing your team? So did you only went after women? <laughs> did you wanted to promote diversity and also talk, brought men to your team? So how did you manage that? It's very funny, actually, because like what I love, like one of the things I love the most make me, me like just really happy. We have a lot of men in the team. And, you know, like I just hear like 
the engineers talking to, to, together or like the designer and the engineer talking together and they're like talking about cervical fluids and your tender breasts and some are women, some are men, some are Muslim, some are like Hindu. Like, it's like we have everyone and everyone is like, it's really funny. And I find it so refreshing because I think there's also like a lot of thinkings that I had in my mind thinking, for instance, some, some of these people, they might be very like not comfortable so talking about certain mm. topics, but it's actually not true. Um, oh, wow. It's really interesting because, like, I mean, to to work in this company, you need to like be okay to talk about these things. Obviously, uh, <laughs> even if you're a designer, I mean, like, you have to talk about like cervical fluids. Or, like, it's you have to basically. And um, it just like it just makes me like so happy because you know, like men very often they would have never bought a tampax. Like, like you know, like this world of menstruation and of female specific topics is completely taboo for men. So having in my team people who talk about that all the time I find it's really really exciting and also it's really funny like um, the people who have tickets are like our two leading people still reply to the tickets um, so Sahana and Teo they're both like PhDs like really like senior and and sometimes like when there's a very tricky uh, question uh, the, the because we only have women using the app the women they actually really want to talk to Teo who's a man and um, it's really oh, wow. funny because they love Teo and like Sahana, she's like, they're, they're both like, you know, really smart academics and they ju they're just like, and it's really funny because like women actually really don't mind talking about personal stuff to men. And, um, and so, so yeah, so we have both and we have diversity like lots. And for us, I think it's, um, we also have, you know, people from Pakistan and India, which like on paper, they cannot travel to each other's country uh, because there was a war and, and they work together in a team. So I find oh, it like uh, it's really that. nice to have That's all of that great. in one team and yeah. Huh. Fantastic great, how yeah. we can overcome differences so quickly, right? Like because at the end of the day, right? Exactly. If if you think to to the world like no one has any sort of issues with with everyone else, it's more about like yeah. one or two people with some ego. No, God, that that it's makes yeah. that makes so much sense. That's great. Yeah. Elaine, we did a little bit of CSI on your profile, <laughs> <laughs> so we did our homework. Yeah. And one thing that came up that definitely blew our mind away uh, was we saw a video of you in Dragon's Den. Uh, and I think that you kind of already touched that a little bit because you mentioned UK, you mentioned how in the US people perceive scale in a very different sort of uh, reality or different set of eyes. Um, so tell us, tell us. I was, I was going to say a little, a bit more. No, tell us all about Dragons then. Like, <laughs> how do you, like I have so many questions. How did it come up? How scary it was? You know, like are people really kind? Of, are they obviously within what you can say? Are they super nice? Are they as tough as they look on TV? Yeah. Like, gosh, so many things. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah. So how it came across? They actually reached out to me. So oh, they wow. asked uh, they asked me to to participate, and um, I mean I don't know how familiar you are with, but like I do not watch TV uh, at all, and I've never watched I haven't watched TV since like all my life basically. So um, so I actually I'm familiar with the concept a little bit, but I had never watched an episode. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> That's a, that was a good start. <laughs> yeah, and so when they reach out, like, but I knew that they, they like, I knew that they're like mean people who want to scare you, and that is scary. And I also knew that um, that you can really look ridiculous. So, 
when I was about to, to go, like I actually asked a few people around me, like, what, what do you think of it? And one of my advisors told me, like, don't do it because oh, wow. I know someone really, really smart who went and they made him look ridiculous and just like was very bad advertisement. So I was like, oh, I don't really know. And then I thought, you know what? It's advertisement, whatever. It's free advertisement. And I actually took it as a good like challenge because I think like I'm pretty comfortable with senior people. And so I thought, oh, okay, he says that, but maybe actually I can manage to do it. Um, and so I thought it was like, it was quite a funny challenge. And so, so I went there, there, like I was in a very nice position with the company at that time, you know, startups, you're always like, you're doing great and then you're doing worse and like horrible. Sure. At that time we were doing good. So we had cash in the bank. So I was like, I wasn't in a position when I needed cash. That's an important point. And I thought it's, it's basically, it's great for our publicity. But, but if they offer us cash, like I would take it, like, because it's good investors. And so when I went there, um, it was, uh, yeah, so basically like, then I prepared, you, you're not allowed to tell anyone that you're actually like preparing. So I wasn't allowed to, to, oh, wow. to ask any questions to people who had done it or whatever, because it's part of the contract. And anyways, I went there, prepared for the pitch, and uh, and it is really funny. Like you basically uh, in a uh, fake elevator, and then first of all you you film a few times, so it's not like the first time you arrive there. Like sure. you know, it's, uh, it's oh, like, yeah. and so you do you, you need to redo the thing. So you're like, okay, how do I look natural again? You know, as a surprise again. But anyways, and then but the first time you see them, you the first time, and so and they have never heard of you. Oh, wow. Like, okay. People know who's pitching. And so mm. you're having the doors open and they are indeed like seated like that, like super serious. And at that time, I was just like, in my head, I was like, this is so funny. Like, why are, why are they like so serious? Because like, literally, I could have dinner with you guys. Like, you know, I was like, so in my head, I thought it was like really cute. But, but it is like, you know, my body wasn't saying the same thing. Like, you know, like, sure. like a lot of breathing exercises. I do Qigong. So before going on stage, I was doing my weird, like shaking or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and then I go on stage and they're like there. But I, I feel like if I take it in my mind as like, it's a funny thing. Like it would actually be quite funny. And that's what actually happened. And then I went there and, um, and then, and then actually like I had, quite a fun time uh, but it was there three hours three? Oh. Uh, yeah oh. so what a beating huh what a beating right three hours is a oh, very yeah. long time wow. i mean it is the arena like you're literally in, a, in an arena and you feel like it because they're like they're throwing things at you and they're like they want to destabilize you because it's, it's tv it's a show sure like that's a show they are even acting they as want well, to right? tease you yeah exactly <laughs> they want to have bad you know if people cry amazing you know like that's, oh. that's the thing jackpot yeah 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 exactly um and it's dramatic and so like so um so i had yeah i had never watched one i had like watched a few part of episodes so just to understand a little bit of thing but one of my friends had, like who, who who had been on it like had told me like the only thing is a show like so if they make you an offer go talk to the wall so like the only thing i knew of the show like if they make me an offer go talk to the wall so i did that so you're like you turn around and you buy yourself talking to a wall which is like the most random thing you've ever done in life. Besides <laughs> <laughs> um, that, actually, they uh, they were yeah they were quite quite like pushy etc. And then they were just saying things that 
I thought you were quite funny. And then that guy, like that one sentence that became like quite uh, known or famous, is like the guy is like, well, I don't get out of bed for one percent, and I'm like, but you're out of bed because in my head it's just like it's a, it's like a mislogic. Uh, but the thing is, like actually, the guy says that all the time. Like one of the <laughs> sentences. But obviously, I like, have no idea because I've never watched it. <laughs> oh, God. No, you did well. No, that, no, that, that, that moment was definitely very interesting. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, crazy. So, so that so was quite good. an adventure. Yeah. But there's also like a lot of parts of it that they haven't included in. And then my favorite part of it, they haven't included it. But anyways. Um, so and it's actually really funny. Like the outcome of it, surprisingly. So like for my team, like everyone had worked for like crazy to do like crash tests if we have like four million visits on the website etc and not at all <laughs> like honestly the because the, the brand is not is no is nowhere you cannot be uh you cannot have any swag so it's actually like to find the name of the brand is actually not that easy um and so i was expecting a lot of like b2c like consumer like reaction and that actually did not pay out Unfortunately, the, the one thing I did not expect, though, is that there's very senior people who reached out, like super interesting. And and then every time, like, you know, like super senior at Google ads, like NASA or whatever. And it's super funny because each time like, oh, I never watched Dragon's Den, but I watched your episode. And I was like, sure. I mean, it, it's OK if you, you watch Crop TV. <laughs> and so, so actually, interestingly, what I, where I really was expecting returns, it didn't happen. And where I didn't expect returns, it happened quite well. So it, it actually was pretty good for image and um, yeah. Hmm. Oh, wow, it was cool. funny. So I think it like was... I came out like, I guess, smart, which is quite, which is good for the image of the brand. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good ending for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, and also in line with, with some of the things that you said for sure, you know, I, I read a, a sentence online uh, that said, you know, being a CEO is like being uh, fired multiple times a day. Uh, can you <laughs> can you elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on that? Because uh, I got yeah. really curious about that. I love it. But. I think like when I was an employee, probably the worst thing that happens to you is being fired. And um, yeah, and I've been fired a few times. Um, and but when you were when you were a CEO when you founder is like your baby and then you know like one day you like you have this incredible person you're gonna hire it's like gonna change the company etc and then the person doesn't join or it's like it's like really 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 like bad or you have like this incredible investor is like hundred percent sure they sign the term sheet and then it doesn't happen and then like and you know like it's just like you really like the roller coaster of emotions is like nothing like you've ever lived before so like it's really like you're getting slapped all the time and like oh, one second you have like I don't know, an amazing partner like you know the biggest i don't know most known company in sports in the world that says okay we're interested in talking to you so it's like oh my god i'm the king of the queen of the world and the second <laughs> after you have like you know your deal that completely falls through in another area so it's just like oh. just feel like just, you know, like you go one place and the other, it just like, <laughs> and at the end of the day, you still have to like smile and tell the team, like, hey guys, okay, come on, we can do it. And so, yeah, you feel like, you know, like you're like a tiny little bull in the mass massive storm, and you like get baffled around, and you're the captain, and you're like, yeah, we, we're going, we're getting there. 
Wow. Yeah. Amazing. No, for <laughs> sure. No. So, and being a, a, a CEO, right, a, a founder of, of a company and being passionate for sports, I'm curious, how do you balance both roles? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Mm. <laughs> how do you well, manage priorities? Yeah, I think like <clears throat> for me, like really early was very important because basically it's part of my sanity. But when I was in London, my office was 45 minutes cycling from my house. So I would just mm. cycle there and back. So it's like an hour and a half right. on bike. And it's exactly the same time by tube. So mm. I just did like, yeah, an hour and a half on the bike every single day. And then on weekends, I would do like maybe two, three hours or something. So that when when I was living in a city. And um, and now like that I live by the, the a surf spot, I go like maybe four times a week and I do like one hour surf. And so all in all, like, because I live so close, like an hour and a half, it's wrapped. And, um, and so, yeah, I really, for me, it's like, it's really important. The very nice thing is also part of my job. So like, you know, I, uh, I track my data, et cetera, which is all part of the, the product. My, like all the, all our users' data sets are completely anonymized, so it's impossible to see them, but not my data. So my team has access to all my data. Uh, <laughs> so we use it like as a big use case. But also, like, that's also how I network, which is really cool. Like, quite a few of my investors are people I'm doing sports with. So, like, my investor meetings when I was cycling was on the bike. Like, now I'm, you know, I was invited by, a, like, a guy who lives in Lisbon as well, to Costa Rica, to, to go surfing and meet investors and other founders. Now I was just in Morocco on a kite surfing trip, kite surf and surf trip with investors and founders. So, it's just like I'm basically living the best life because... Instead of going to a conference, you know, when I was in finance, I would go to a conference, I don't know, in Canary Wharf in London. Mm -hmm. in hour, and now I go to an event which is on the, on the water. Wow. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now you're, you're definitely, you know, you're, you're winning in the tech industry, for sure. A lot of people definitely admire you uh, for the success that you achieved so far. But just like you mentioned, you've worked in different industries before. How different are they? Um, very different. I think like the hedge fund is like a world apart. Um, <laughs> it's, I loved it. Like absolutely loved it. Uh, but it's like a really small company with like a star trader and I was a quant, which is basically like doing the models, like the training models and the risk models and like really fast paced, really aggressive, but all the purpose of the whole company is money. So like, the only objective at the end of the day is your PNL. Um, so it's very different in terms of the mindset of people as well, because, and I think that's why you see in finance, a lot of the people, like the, their relationship to worth is money. So like they would have a, an expensive car, an expensive suit, because that is how you prove your success, basically. And I think now we're transitioning a little bit. I think like post all the, like the DP crisis, like 2008 and now this one as well, a lot of people have like revalued a little bit their values, and and in in startups, I think it's it's quite different, especially in sports tech. Like what we do is really passion driven. Like people who work in sports tech, if you like the area, it's amazing. I mean, literally, like we speak to Olympians, we speak to the best brands in the world in sports. It's like I mean, I feel so lucky because. I love it, but I also feel like I wouldn't, no one like that would ever speak to me otherwise. And so 
I like you know the best researchers in the world in, in physiology and like I'm invited to I don't know DFC Barcelona to give a talk. It's really oh, wow. like it's like it's very very. I mean, it's places I would have never access to, and you know when you like sports, it's like these emblematic names and and so um, I think they they are very different and tech industry is very different and all the worlds are very different. FinTech is very different than sports tech. I'm across like sports tech and health tech, so I'm a little. Uh -huh. like, oh yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think like, I mean, I'm, I'm super, super happy of where I am now and I love my company and, uh, I'm obsessed by what we do, but yeah. Yeah, just, nice. just mentioned one thing that, that really caught my attention and, and you mentioned, you know, being invited, uh, for to giving a talk in FC Barcelona. I think that you definitely, you have some, some public speaking, um, you know, experience, some, 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 some gigs. How hard, easy it was for you to start doing public speaking? Did you took any sort of, of training or is it that something that's so supernatural in you? How, how does that work? So it's funny. I think I never heard someone saying it was natural. And for me, it was absolutely not natural, like the worst thing in the world. So I, <laughs> I, uh, a few years ago, I had started a company that completely failed. I started a few like really bad companies and that was like one of them. But then I realized like if I wanted to become... You know, a CEO and like establish myself and create like a, a company that would lead a sector, uh, like uh, yeah, like sector creating company. I would need to also like speak out. And so I remember with my ex, like someone had asked me to speak uh, at an event, and like until then I had always said no. And then uh, it was like a really shitty event in like a very shady place in London. I thought, okay, that's probably like a good start. And so I created, I, pre I prepared for that event. I, I learned my speech by heart, like every single, you know, oh, like pose, every single, like look at this audience, like I learned how to start. <laughs> and I made this presentation, which I thought like, I put a few jokes in. And anyways, I go in on stage and my ex was like next to me, you know, like going to an event with your boyfriend. Um, and like my ex was like in the front, just like in case I needed. And like, I could not remember anything. It just like was completely dramatic and like he was filming me. <laughs> uh, so no, it was definitely wow. not natural at all. Like really horrible and mortifying uh, situation. But then I also learned a lot. And uh, and I think like, you know, thinking that it was important for me, like I put a big emphasis on it. And then uh, and then I, I like, I used to learn my, all my presentations by heart. Like every single, like repeat, like you cannot imagine the amount of times. Like I remember going to that, um, speech where I was in the taxi and I was asking the taxi, like, do you mind if I rehearse with you? Three minute speech with the guy who, like, the poor guy was like, okay, now make it a little bit louder here, or like, whatever. And so, and now I think <laughs> if I pitch, it's typically my company, so I know it better. Sure. Um, so I, I, I know, like, I know like the sentences that are a little bit funny, etc. Also, like I'm really bored with my own pitch. Um, so because, you know, I've, I've honestly I've done it, I don't know five it's repetitive. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. hello, I'm Elaine, blah blah blah, whatever. And when I was uh, in COVID, like at the very beginning of lockdown, I was in a I was sharing a flat with a girl, and I was fundraising, and the poor girl had to listen to me pitch for like two hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so now I'm more comfortable, but you know, I still like, 
I still have definitely like stage fright. I have a very weird thing. Like when I go up, out of stage, my lower back starts to hurt like crazy. Yes, that happens to yeah. me too. Yeah. Yes. It's so weird, no? I think it's like- <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the stress that really yeah. kind of accumulates. I don't know, because I, I have exactly that. Yes. It's so oh my weird. God. I still have it completely. Um, yeah. My God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And every time I go out, I'm like, oh, I should have been like, I don't know, a bit more like fun, look more at the audience. So each time mm. I try to like be a bit better, but yeah. That's I think crazy. you will always get something that you want to improve. <laughs> it's yeah. like, a, yeah, it's a for all process. I think we will have, keep having asking questions oh, <laughs> for, for a sure. while, but okay. unfortunately we are reaching the end, but uh, we need to, we still have like three extra questions. These ones more more fun, different. And I will start with the first one. Ellen, what do you believe is your superpower? Um, I think energy. Um, I think that I have energy. I have a lot of energy, but I'm also capable of like giving energy to people. And, and not only in a company, but I think like, you know, it's poor. So like I've taken people to the most random stuff, like, swimming in ice water in the serpentine in london at like 5 30 a.m and so i have like yeah this like i guess energy nice lovely no i, I we can tell that's for sure <laughs> and then if you could experience a different job like you know anything like no limit no limits you know it could be for a few hours could be for a few days like it doesn't matter what would that be um so i'm very very um intrigued and uh, like passionate about big wave surfers mm -hmm. um and if oh, i wow. had no consequences as in like i cannot die to be on this like absolute monster wave and because like wow. i've been like invited again like in nazare to be yes. in the wave but in a baby wave huh? so it was nazare it was like with Nick Van Rapp, who's Portuguese, and it was incredible, but it's a baby wave. So we had the rescue, it was really cool. But like, yeah, if I could just like, you know, just live this like riding on this monster wave, I think that would be like wow. so wow. insane. Imagine so the, the cool. adrenaline. Yeah, <laughs> right. like, I don't know, your knees are like shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now let's go for the last one. How many countries have you lived in? And looking at all of those, I don't know how many were, were they. Well, we are learned at least Portugal, UK, Port United States, at least yeah. three. France, I think, as well, maybe. Yeah. Fra okay, so France, at least it's okay. four. Yeah, based with on looking at these four, now choose your favorite dessert <laughs> on each one. Our favorite desserts. Yeah, dessert. um, Let's talk about desserts. That's uh, our ending. Okay, so I'm really annoying because I'm gluten free, so it reduces a lot. Oh, of <laughs> um, damn it! No, that yeah. makes it even more interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Belgium, I think maybe uh, it's a rice pudding. Oh um, yes. Oh, Japan, yeah. mochis. Uh, France, hmm, tough one. France, I don't know. Could make it up. Raspberries? I don't know. Huh? I think they have a lot of cakes, but. Um, then England, oh, that's a tough one. It needs to be an English. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have an amazing. They have amazing fruits. Pears. They have amazing. Okay. Pears. Cool. Okay. Uh, US, tough one too. Um, 
yeah, I guess fruit again. Uh, Peru. Uh, oh, I'm just like not super sweet. Um, <laughs> Peru has amazing food, but again, I could name food, but desserts. Um, <laughs> tricky one. Italy. Again, it's quite hard. I I I I of very often would uh, opt for fruits. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you need you need to name one for Portugal. No, oh yeah, I love. Um, so it's not um, passeggiata, which I love, just the the inside, but it's actually only the the egg and sugar thing. I don't remember how it's mm. called. And you have you have it in many different shapes, but one is like a cake, and you eat oh, it. It's wow. like the white, um, the yellow white. Uh, the um, the egg white uh, the egg uh, oh the egg white ah the egg I... egg. and um, it's really like good. Molotov sort of thing like kind of that sort of almost like a huge pudding no no sorry the, the, it's the yellow of the whites oh the, the yellow. yellow oh okay yeah the uh, soft uh, I would say so because yeah, kind of it's like like kind of sweet tree from old 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 times yeah. you know, from the exactly. convent and exactly. there you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very, very well very well now God, okay, I need that. <laughs> and that's it. I need a coffee and that. Uh, cool. So this is the end. Ilan, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for being here with us. We had a blast for sure. Yeah, thank super, you. Super interesting you know, to meet you, to understand a little bit better about wild AI uh, and everything else you know that you did in your life. That was so fascinating. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and yes, and this is pretty much the end of the show. So internet, thank you so much for being there as well. Um, you know, stay tuned for more episodes of the second season of Hey CTO. Yeah, see you next time. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you.